Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called, Making the Hard Changes in Me. Now, God wants you to learn to think like Jesus. How do you do that? Well, again, it's a choice. You've got to make a choice and say, Lord, how would Jesus think about this? And the more you fill your mind with the Word of God, the easier that's going to be. I want you to hear how God is helping her think in new ways and be free from defects in her life. Would you give Victoria a warm welcome? Hi, my name is Victoria, and I'd like to share my story about um, how Jesus is helping me make changes in my life that I never thought would be possible by learning new ways of thinking. As a child, I grew up here in Saddleback Valley. Then right before I started kindergarten, my family and I left Mission Viejo and headed up north to a town called Camarillo. I had heard all the Bible stories growing up, but I didn't really have a close relationship with God. Mostly, I just enjoyed seeing my friends at Sunday, on Sunday since a lot of my classmates went to church. Then in 1998, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. That shocked me into realizing that life was not going to be easy. It was an extremely hard time for my family, but since I was so young, I wasn't able to comprehend everything that was happening. Now, looking back, I don't know how my parents would have gotten through that time without the support of our physical family and church family and, of course, trusting in God. Then the next year, my sister was diagnosed with diabetes. Still being so young, I didn't understand why my sister had to poke herself with needles multiple times a day. But with prayer and support, her diabetes became more manageable and not the death sentence I thought it was going to be. Then when I was 10 years old, I publicly committed my life to Jesus by being baptized and started living my life for Christ, well, as best as I knew how at the time. Of course, there were the normal hurts of growing up. During elementary school, the girls I hung out with were really mean to me. They'd run away from me at recess and pretended to be allergic to me when I came to sit with them at lunch. It just got worse and followed me to middle school. I began to develop ways to try and protect myself, but the pain still hurt. In eighth grade, I got my first boyfriend. I was so excited because he was smart and could play guitar. I mean, what more could a junior high girl want? (laughs) I realize now, looking back, that our relationship was defective and pretty dysfunctional. It wasn't that he was a bad guy. It was just that we didn't know how to relate. And since our relationships with God were not strong, we didn't know how to put him first in our dating. When we were together, I felt loved and wanted, but as soon as we were apart, I felt lonely and unloved again. There was a big hole in my heart. So I lived for the approval of my friends, and because I didn't understand how much God loved and accepted me, I looked for it in others. When that boyfriend and I inevitably broke up, I was devastated. Just as I started to really be myself, it really set me back. I decided to withdraw into a more protective shell. From that moment on, I never wanted to show who I truly was. I got good at faking it. By not being honest with myself, with God, and with others, my relationship with God became lukewarm at best, and I drifted further away. 
I started to feel a void in my life, which I thought I could fill with more relationships to guys who could give me attention. The ironic thing is that living in that shallow way just made me feel even emptier. I finally settled down with one boyfriend, and we were together for a year. But that year was the darkest year of my life. In the middle of my darkness, my dad, who had been unemployed for a year, got a job down here in Orange County. The thought of moving again from all the connections scared me to death. I was so mad at God for taking away my home from me. I lived with my grandparents to finish school. My relationships with my friends became strained, and my relationship with my boyfriend became more unhealthy and displeasing to God. To say everything was defective is no exaggeration. Finally, I made the right decision to do the right thing, and I broke off the harmful relationship. Five months ago, I started attending Crave here at Saddleback Church. Crave is Saddleback's outreach to young adults in their 20s. From that first night of attending Crave, God has been renewing my mind and helping me see my life from His perspective. He's helped me to become more honest about the areas of my life I need to work on, and He's giving me the strength to make changes I never thought would be possible. I am a completely new person and a far better one because of the truth I've been learning at Saddleback Church. I've learned new ways of thinking through Crave and especially with the support of my small, my small group. My small group is amazing. I have never felt more loved when I'm with those girls. We took a trip to Utah this past February that was life-changing. On Sunday, February 20th, was the best night of my life. During worship, God broke into my heart in a deeper level and healed my heart. I could honestly feel His arms holding me tight, telling me that everything was okay. At that moment, I fully recommitted my life to Jesus Christ, and the following Thursday, I was baptized, knowing that I really understood and meant my commitment. I was tired of living the Christian life without having the relationship I needed with God. I now know that God moved my family back to Orange County, and I know it was because He loves me. As I keep learning new things about God, um, He keeps changing my perspective on things. I've learned the simple truth that I need other believers in my life to become all God wants me to be. Jeremiah 29:11 through 13, which it's become my life verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God has a plan, and He's always had one. It's now up to me to follow after them and continue seeking after God. Thank you, and God bless you. All right, quickly, write these other three down. The fourth change that is required is that change requires the Holy Spirit. You need more power than just willpower in your life. You need God's power in your life. Again, we talked about this in detail last week. You might get that message in Romans chapter eight. Verse 24 says this, you must put on your new nature. And you can't do that with willpower. You must put on your new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. Now what he's talking about here is what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. These are the qualities that God puts in your life when the Holy Spirit lives through you. 
And the Bible says there are nine of those qualities. They are love and joy and peace and gentleness and patience and kindness uh, and, and goodness and uh, meekness and self-control and faithfulness. There are nine of these qualities. And, and how does God produce the fruit in your life? Not by willpower. You don't go out and say, I'm going to be a more patient person. Doesn't work. I'm going to be a more joyful person. Doesn't work. I'm going to be a lot more loving person. Willpower does not work. Fruit is an inside job. The Holy Spirit has to grow it on the inside. You trying to say, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more loving. is like saying, I think I'm going to go out and tie a bunch of apples out in my tree outside. And you got these apples tied on. I'm going to go out and take my, you know, the, uh, the eucalyptus tree in the front. And we're going to tie some oranges on it and call it an orange tree. It doesn't work that way. Fruit can only come from the inside. It's got to be his spirit living through you. Now, how does the Holy Spirit work in your life? The answer is gradually, a little bit at a time. Look at this next verse. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Circle more and more. That means it's a gradual process. It's step by step. It's not instant. It's incremental. Now, when God wants to make a mushroom, he takes six hours. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes 60 years. The question is, do you want your life to be a mushroom or an oak tree? As your pastor who loves you, I can help you get from here to here. I can help you grow to be the person you want to be, but I cannot show you how to do it overnight. There is no such thing as instant maturity. It takes time. It is a small, step-by-step, gradual, incremental, more and more process. You see, you didn't collect your hurts, habits, and hang-ups overnight. It took you a long time to get as messed up as you are. I mean, it just didn't happen overnight. Sometimes I'm out on the patio and somebody comes and says, Pastor Rick, I, I need you to solve my marriage problem. I said, well, how long have you been married? 15 years. How long have you had this problem? 10 years. And you want a five-second answer? It ain't gonna happen. You gotta peel that onion, that baby, one layer at a time. The Holy Spirit works within us, become gradually more and more like him. You've gotta develop new habits to change. And that's, that's what your character is, the sum total of your habits. And we call these habits the spiritual disciplines. These spiritual disciplines, they're the building blocks of defeating the defects in your life. Number five, this is a big one. Change requires honest community. In other words, you're going to have to have some people in your life who tell you the truth and you listen to it. You're not going to get well on your own. You're going to need other people in your life. You're going to need support. You're going to need a small group. Change requires honest community. There are some things in your life you're never, ever going to be able to change on your own. Now, typically, the things that are most difficult in your life, you don't want anybody else to know about. They're the things you want to hide in the closet. They're the things you don't want to tell. They're the things you're most embarrassed about. They're the most deep-seated problems and fears in your life. And you know what? You're never getting over them until you share it with one other person. Now, you don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to tell the whole world. You just need to find one person. That's why we have small groups 
who will trust you, you trust them, they're confidential, they're gonna love you unconditionally, they're not gonna judge you, they're gonna support you, they're gonna pray for you, and you're gonna pray for them. But revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. You gotta have one person, gut level honest. You don't have to have a lot of people, but you need to have at least one. Some things are so big in your life, you have to team tackle them to take them down. You gotta have two linemen tackling that, that guy to pull him down, because one guy isn't enough. You're gonna need small groups, you're gonna need support. But it's a, not just a small group where you get together and go, hey, how's it going? Well, it's going great, and everybody lives at a superficial level. You gotta get to that level of maturity where you're saying, you know what, I had a tough week this week, and here's what happened. No, we're not talking about therapy groups. We don't have therapy groups in this church. We're not trying to psychologize each other out. What we have is people who love each other, and when times are tough, I need to tell you what's tough in my life, and when you're having a tough time, you need to have somebody to talk to. Gut level authenticity. This is verse 25. It says, put away all falsehood. That means all the fake in it, all the phoniness, all the pretending like you got it all together. Put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth about you because we belong to each other. Circle the word belong. If you're a believer, you're also a belonger. You belong in the family of God and every other believer belongs to you. They're your brother, they're your sister and we belong to each other. You cannot become until you belong. You can't become what God wants you to be until you belong in a group that's gonna have gut level, honest community. Put away falsehood. Talk to your neighbor. Tell your, tell your friend the truth, because we belong to each other. Now let me just say it this way. Listen closely. If you are serious about changing the deepest hangups in your heart, the deepest defects in your life, you're gonna have to face the fear of being honest. You gotta stop faking it. You gotta put away falsehood. You gotta be real. Now you can go through life with one of two choices, pretending you've got it all together or getting it all together. But you'll never get it all together as long as you pretend you've got it all together. And you're never gonna get well, get healed, get rid of that area that's bugging you in your life till you talk to somebody about it. Say so why? God wired it that we need each other that you don't get healed on your own. You don't get well on your own. You don't grow on your own. You gotta face up to your fear of being honest with maybe just one or two, not a lot of people. Now, as your pastor, I want you to succeed. I pray for your success in all seven key areas. I pray for that. But here's what the Bible says on the screen. You'll never succeed. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up, then God will spank your pants. No, that's what it says. It says, then God will what? Show mercy. A lot of times I'm afraid to tell God my sins. Oh, like he doesn't know? He's just waiting to show mercy. He's just waiting to show mercy. It says, confess, then, you, then you'll be succeeding. Some of you say, well, why am I not succeeding? Because you got hidden sin. Why am I not succeeding? Because you're hiding your defects. Why, why am I doing my best and I'm not succeeding? The Bible says as long as you try to hide those hang-ups, you're not gonna succeed. Change requires honest community. We waste enormous energy covering up. And if you took all the energy you spend trying to cover up your hidden secrets, 
and you invested it in being honest, you know what? You would be liberated and be a thing of the past. Our biggest hurdle to holiness, my biggest hurdle to holiness, is my desire to want to look good. But in a small group with a few friends, three, four, five friends, I don't have to look good. I don't have to look good. I can just be myself with those people. Now, if you're not in a group, there are areas of your life you're never going to get victory over. Now, Galatians 6.2, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. So you get a group, and then in your small group, you, you establish some ground rules. One of the ground rules is what's said in the group stays in the group, okay? You don't have a safe group until people go, okay, we can share anything here, and it's not going to get reported on Facebook, you don't wait for prayer time in your small group and then start tweeting, okay? No, what's said in the group stays in the group. And another ground rule is you don't try to fix people. You're, we're not psychologists. We're not trying to fix each other. And another principle is you don't minimize other people's pain. You just, you know, you don't say, you know, it's like I heard about a guy, a woman said, uh, my husband died, and a guy goes, I'm sorry, my hamster died. You know, you say, I don't think he got it. Uh, you know, he just didn't get it. You don't minimize other people's pain. Guys, you share your deepest hurts with other guys, and gals, you share your deepest hurts with other gals. And in a small group, I don't focus on changing you, I focus on changes I need to make. Now that leads us to the last thing that happens, has to happen, and that is change requires overcoming temptation. And that is a skill most people have never learned. They don't know how to overcome, how to defeat temptation. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Circle the phrase, mighty foothold. What does that mean? Did you know that you can be a believer, you can be a follower of Christ, and you can give the devil a foothold in your life? What is a foothold in your life? A mighty, it's when Satan gets a beachhead in your life. In World War II, when the Marines would go into the islands of the South Pacific, goal number one was simply to establish a beachhead. All they wanted to do is land on the island and establish a beachhead 100 yards deep and a couple hundred yards wide. Once they had that, once we were on an island, the Marines, the rest of the battle was taken over by the Army, and they would slowly take over the entire island. But you got to establish a beachhead first. And the Bible says, don't let Satan do that in your life. Don't let him get a beachhead in your life. Anytime you have a secret sin, that's a beachhead in your life. You say, what creates a stronghold in my life? I can be a Christian, and Satan can have a stronghold in my life. What is it? Well, here he says it's anger, but I can tell you in many other passages, what creates a stronghold in your life is any negative emotion you hold on to. Write that down. A negative emotion will give Satan a stronghold in my life. It can be anger. So he says, don't hold on to anger. You hold on to anger overnight, you're allowing Satan to get a stronghold in your life. You deal with that conflict before you go to bed. And if you have to stay up all night, you stay up all night. Do not give a stronghold, a foothold to Satan in your life by holding on to a negative emotion. But it doesn't have to be anger. It could be worry. 
It could be fear. When you hold on to a secret fear, that creates a stronghold, a foothold in your life. When you hold on to resentment, when you hold on to bitterness or grudge, that creates a stronghold in your life. When you hold on to loneliness, when you hold on to guilt, when you hold on to shame, when you hold on to regret, when you hold on to anxiety, any negative emotion allows Satan to get a stronghold in your life. And in this series on uh, temptation, I'm gonna talk to you about how to defeat that. Now let me close with this question. How serious are you about really changing? Do you intend to be emotionally stronger in three years? Do you intend to be spiritually deeper in three years? Do you intend to be financially sounder? Do you intend to be more mentally alert, intellectually smart? The sad thing is some of you won't be. Why? Because you never intended to be. And you weren't willing to do what the Bible requires us to do for lasting change. Let's bow our heads. Father, uh, because none of us is perfect, we all have defective areas of our lives. And some of the areas that are defective in our lives are so painful we can hardly even stand to think about them. We're embarrassed by it. And we're stuck in fear and stuck in secrets. And I know everybody here has struggled with some kind of defects. Emotional, relational, spiritual, mental. Some of us are in defective relationships that are stuck or cold or dying. Or maybe even estranged, separated. Many others of us are struggling with, with habits, or secret hurts or fears that are out of control in our lives and we're afraid that they're out of control. Give every person here the courage to take the first step in making the hard changes in me. Now would you pray this in your heart? God will hear you. Just say, dear God, I wanna learn the truth. I don't want to build my life on lies, but I want to learn the truth. I want to know the path to walk on. I want to know when I'm off the path, how to get back on it and how to stay on it. I want to begin spending time in your word every day so I can learn the foundation of truth. Lord, you said that change requires making choices. There's some things I've got to let go of. Help me to have the courage to let go of those things. And I'm gonna ask you to help me to work out what you're working in my life. Give me the will and the power that I don't have that's greater than willpower. I wanna begin thinking in a new way. I wanna fill my mind daily so that there's a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. I wanna have the same mind and attitude of Jesus. I know I can't do this on my own. Holy Spirit, I want you to help me put on this new nature, be a new person. And as you work within me, I wanna become more and more like Jesus Christ. More solid, more stable, more strong, more successful, the way you intend me to be. Help me to have the courage to be a part of an honest community. Lord, if I'm not in a small group right now, I commit to being in a small group, to starting a group, 
to beginning one today. And if you're in a group, say, Lord, help me to be honest in my group that might break down the wall that people could really find help and encouragement because we're all in the same boat. Help us to obey the law of Christ and love each other as we love ourselves. And Lord, use this small group series to teach me the skills of overcoming temptation and how to not let a negative emotion become a foothold for the devil in my life. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but as much as I know how, I'm saying yes to you. I want to invite you into my life today. In your name I pray, amen. Hi everybody, this is Rick, and I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you just recommitted your life to Jesus again today, would you let me know about it? There's something real about sharing your commitment. So write me, rick, at pastorrick.com and say, Rick, I prayed that prayer of commitment. I gave my life to Christ, and I'll send you some material that'll help you on your journey with Jesus, and I'll also pray for you. God bless you. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you how you can support this ministry. Jesus told his disciples that they should live their lives according to five specific purposes. He said, you've got to love God with all your heart. That's worship. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's ministry. That's called the great commandment. And then Jesus said, go make disciples, that's evangelism, baptize them into the family of God, that's fellowship, a sign of fellowship. And then he said, teach them to obey everything I've taught you, that's discipleship. And we call that the Great Commission. We believe at Daily Hope that a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission will produce a great Christian, a great church, a great company, a great community. You know, I started Daily Hope so I could spread the good news about Jesus, not just across America, but all around the world. And we want people to know that God's Word is filled with hope and truth, and the power that we need to follow Him every day is available to every single one. You know as well as I do that the Word of God changes lives. It's alive, it's active, and it breathes new life and new love into all of our lives. So wherever you listen to this, whether you listen on the website, whether you listen on a radio station, or whether you listen through a podcast, you're a part of the Daily Hope family, and I need your help. We could not do this without your support. Now, you know I don't take any funds from this broadcast. We don't have any giant million-dollar donor who's giving big gifts to this. It comes from daily donations from listeners like you. We're 100% listener-funded. Would you continue to pray for this broadcast, and would you continue to support us? And let write to me. Let, let me hear from you. I absolutely love reading the stories that are sent to me. So write me, pray for me, and support this ministry. And God will bless it, and God will bless you, and we'll get to heaven, and we'll thank God for all the people going to be in heaven because you cared. You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com. Or text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. 
and thank you so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.